0: Welcome to the Impact Nations podcast, episode 3-3, A Type of Jesus. This week, Steve opens the door for us to see the Old Testament in a whole new light, demonstrating that Jesus has been on the scene ever since the very beginning.
1: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to part three of this podcast series we're doing on the mystery of Christ. Um, if you're just coming on now, I encourage you to uh, go back and, and, uh, and follow parts one and two, where we really laid a foundation uh, of Christ beyond time and space. And then last week was um, really Christ, Christ before time. And this week, I've got two titles because I can't make up my mind so you get two for the price of one. Either Christ in the Old Testament or seeing the whole Bible for the first time. Because I think that what we're going to open up is going to change for lots of us the way we see the Old Testament. Let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we love you. We love your work in our lives. We love your grace. I've been thinking so much this last few days about your grace, Lord. In Holy Spirit, we ask now for an infilling. We pray for revelation and not just information. And be in our midst. Lord Jesus, we, we truly, truly love you. Amen. I'm going to read some stuff at the beginning that draws from some writing I did a little while ago, well, a couple of years ago. Um, It seems to me over the past uh, few centuries, the evangelical church has, has tended to present the Christ story as beginning with the angelic appearances in the two opening chapters of Luke's Gospel and the account in Mark. Uh, in Matthew, it seems to me that that this starting the story with the virgin birth is an extension of what we talked about a lot on the John series, which is the the persistent impact of of the enlightenment of rationalism, which we talked a lot about uh, when we looked at. at the way we can read the scripture, kind of just on the surface, or we can go deeper, which was historically the way it was read. So it seems to me that this is this this very um, rational view of scripture uh, has impacted how we even understand the Christ story, how we even understand um, who Christ is. You know, most. I'm sure all evangelicals would reject the idea that Jesus was simply a wise teacher, but it is nevertheless, almost subconsciously, it is too easy to see Jesus as somehow less than God the Father. Certainly Jesus is God, uh, but he's a son who, who we can see him as, yeah, he's God, but, but he was set on an assignment to fix up a problem and that was the reason he came and that's his mainly his identity and and his part in the story salvation story doesn't really begin until he comes to earth but this ignores the clear testimony of the Old Testament prophets uh, the testimony of the Apostles and the early church Uh, there was never a time without the son there was never a time when the son was not at work fulfilling the desires of the father we talked about the eternal Christ a lot in the last two weeks. I've been, like lots of you, I'm sure, I've been reading the Bible for a long time, I think 43 years now. And for the majority of that time, I would think, certainly, yeah, the majority, probably till the last 10 or 15 years. I read the Old Testament with an assumption, and like most assumptions, you don't know you're assuming them. Um, with the the unrealized assumption that the encounters that various characters had in the Old Testament were with God the Father and were with angels. When I finally saw the reality of Christ in the Old Testament, suddenly I saw him everywhere. I, I, I finished last week's session. It's like putting on another pair of glasses and suddenly a picture comes into focus. Century after century, the church believed and preached that Christ was to be found throughout all the Old Testament; that it was Christ who held the scriptures together, and that apart from Him there could be no real scriptural understanding. In teaching this, the church was being faithful to the example of Jesus Himself. In John five thirty-nine, He said to the religious leaders, "You pore over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them, and yet." They testify of me. Um, Famously, the walk on the Emmaus Road, the end of uh, Luke 24. um, We read of Christ with the two disciples, and as they walked, he taught them. And what was it he taught them? Quoting from Luke 24, 27, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, that means the Old Testament, He interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all of the Scripture. Martin Luther, the reformer, wrote this, Scripture is the cradle in which Christ lies. I love that. Mm -hmm. Christ was revealed both through types and shadows and through many actual appearances. These are called Christophanies or Theophanies. They are about the second person of the Godhead, the Son of God, Christ, appearing, okay? So I might interchangeably tonight, whatever I wrote down as I was putting this together, Christophany and Theophany, it's the same. For the historic church, the one who encountered Abraham, Jacob, and Moses was not the Father, but the Logos, Christ himself. This is why the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 wrote about the rock that that Moses struck. I'll talk about that later, but that rock was Christ. One of the early church fathers, Irenaeus, who I just love, he's uh, from late in the 100s, about one, I think he died about 175, and he's got so many wonderful sayings, so much wisdom. But he said this, if anyone reads the scriptures with attention, he will find in them an account of Christ. The treasure hidden in the Scriptures is Christ. The Church Fathers teach that everything in the Old Testament is about Christ, from Genesis to Malachi. The Old Testament is filled with manifestations of the Word or the Logos. This includes the virgin birth, the cross, baptism, the Eucharist. There's countless prophecies about Jesus. Christ is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Paul told the Galatians that the Old Testament is a teacher that leads us to Christ. That's Galatians 3.24. (coughs) Isn't that funny? We can study scripture. And you know, just given my years of pastoring and and teaching, I've spent a, a pretty good percentage of my life studying the scriptures. And it is amazing to me How I could study them for so many years and go deeper and deeper and not see Christ Mm -hmm. and kind of miss that He is, as it were, the point. Um, hmm. The true significance and inspiration of the Old Testament can only be found when we read and examine it in the light of Christ. That one sentence I would encourage us for that to become a grid for reading the Old Testament. Say it again. Sure. The true significance and inspiration of the Old Testament can only be found when we read and examine it in the light of Christ. I've been thinking about this a lot. The the Bible says a bunch of times, uh, both Old and New Testament, that nobody can see God and live. A classic is Exodus thirty-three twenty. Moses says, show me your glory. But, okay, so nobody can see God and live, right? But the Old Testament is filled with encounters where God was seen. For example, Jacob wrestled with God, Genesis 32. Moses spoke face to face with God. Samson's parents feared that they were going to die. They went, ah, we've seen God. Remember that? especially the dad. He was really wimpy. Um, (laughs) So how can this be? It's John's revelation of the true identity of Jesus that gives us the the answer to this mystery. Because nobody can see God and live and yet all the way through the Old Testament they see him. And here it is. Maybe the most famous or one of the most famous verses in John. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We talked a bit about that last week or the week before, about logos and what it means. So let me make a couple of points just off this key at the beginning of John's Gospel. Obviously, with his very first words, and I've told you for a year, as we went through John, that he doesn't waste a single word or phrase. So what does he open with? In the beginning. How does Genesis 1-1 open? In the beginning. So John is clearly paralleling. He is shouting something with his first three words. With that initial phrase, he is linking the Old Testament with his gospel. He's telling us that Christ was from the beginning. The Son was from the beginning, from the beginning of Scripture. And the Son from the beginning of Scripture, not the beginning of the Gospels, reveals and declares the Father. This is vital for understanding the Old Testament. All of the Old Testament points to and reveals Christ all manifestations of God in the Old Testament are the Logos, are the second person of the Trinity, are the Son, every one of them. It's never the Father, it's never the Holy Spirit, it's the Son. Jesus was not just God's representative to Israel in the first century. He's the eternal Word and Son, and therefore, has always been the father's representative on earth. In fact, in, in uh, Hebrews 1.13, he is the exact expression. So when the father wants to speak, he does so through the son. Think about that phrase the next time you're reading your Bible and you come up and you come across the phrase that says, and the word of the Lord came to them. Isn't that interesting? Just that shifted things for me several years ago. Because I used to think, oh, inspiration came to them, or they, they thought of the something. The, the Word, He is the Word. The Word was with God, the Word was God, the Logos. And the Word of the Lord came to them. If we be- can begin to see Christ as present, In all of the scriptures, from beginning to end, we're going to gain a greater understanding of the purposes of God that are built into the foundation of the cosmos, and a greater revelation of Christ will grow deeper and wider. Yes, Jesus is the Savior, but he lives and always lived as the eternal Son and the eternal Word of God, the second person of the Triune God. Let me give you an example. Genesis 3, the fall. Adam and Eve mess up. God comes to them in the garden. They see him, they talk to him, right? Adam's saying it was the woman, the woman saying it's the serpent. <sighs> Who came to Adam and Eve in the garden? Christ, Christ came to them. Okay. That's all by way of an introduction, albeit long. So tonight we're going to begin to look at two ways that Christ is found throughout the Old Testament. One is Christophanies, or Theophanies, appearances of God, of Christ, and the other is through types. Types point to Christ's appearing at his incarnation. They anticipate and they reveal. We'll look more at that in a minute. Christophanies, or Theophanies, are actual manifestations of God the Son. They are actual appearances of the pre-incarnate second person of the Trinity. Because the Son of God took on human nature and form in the fullness of time, therefore each appearance in the Old Testament uh, is a Theophany that directly prefigures the Incarnation. There's things about the incarnation and the appearances of Christ in the Old Testament. The church father, John of Damascus, wrote this. Some of you know I love the church fathers. As the whole church did for the first thousand years. No one saw uh, the divine nature, but rather the image and figure of what was yet to come. For the invisible Son and the Word of God was to become truly Son. So let's talk about these theophanies. Throughout the Old Testament, the Son is identified as the Lord, the Word of the Lord, and the Angel of the Lord. The early church fathers taught that it was Christ who walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. It was Christ who appeared to Abraham at various times simply as the Lord, at other times as the Word of the Lord, as a man, and as the Angel of the Lord. All these different terms are all about Christ encountering Abram. And Abraham. Um, so let's talk. The most common designation for Christ in the Old Testament is the angel of the Lord. So let's take a couple of minutes. and Because it's a phrase we all read. Again, I read it for decades and didn't think about it very much. And then there was an aha. Lord, give us an aha tonight. <laughs> the angel of the Lord, the most common way... Christ is described. I'm gonna give you just a few, some of you are taking notes, so here's some references. The angel of the Lord appeared twice to Hagar. Remember Abraham's Mm -hmm. concubine. Mm -hmm. Uh, Genesis 16, 7 to 14, Genesis 21, 17 and 18. He appeared to Abraham, Genesis 22. He appeared to Balaam. Remember the prophet Balaam in uh, Numbers 22. He appeared to Gideon in Judges 6. These are all as the angel of the Lord. He appeared to Samson's parents who thought they were going to die. Uh, He appeared as judgment against Israel in 2 Samuel, as a judge really, in 2 Samuel 24. He appeared to Zechariah several times. The psalmist talks about him appearing, the angel of the Lord appearing in Psalm 34 and thirty-five. The angel of the Lord is the one who told Moses that he is God. He is, tell them, I am. He he encountered, if you see, he's described as the angel of the Lord before he says, reveals who he is, I am. He is addressed as God and Lord. Uh, When they see the angel of the Lord, Samson's parents don't say we've seen the angel of the Lord, they say we have seen God. The angel of the Lord is sent by the Father. Both the angel and the Son, the angel of the Lord and the Son are one. They're sent by the Father. The angel, in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord is sent to reveal truth. He is sent to lead the people, Israel. He is sent to defend them. And he's sent to judge them. Do you want me to say that again? Mm -hmm. He is sent by the Father, the angel of the Lord, to reveal God, oh, pardon me, to reveal truth, to lead Israel, to defend them, and to judge. In the New Testament, Christ is sent by the Father to reveal the truth of God in the flesh. He is to reveal truth, and he is sent to become the Savior, the defender. The angel of the Lord never appears in the Bible again, although it's loaded in the Old Testament, as soon as the Incarnation happens. As soon as Christ becomes incarnate, He never appears again and is never even mentioned again. Which is interesting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Early Church Fathers referred to Christ as an angel. Did you know that? All through their writing, they talk capital A, angel. They don't mean what we usually think of as an angel, they mean the angel of the Lord. Um, And this likely came from the Septuagint translation of Isaiah 9.6. For those who haven't been following, uh, and that's fine, the Septuagint is the Greek Old Testament, which was the only Bible used by the early church. In fact, from 400 B.C. on until uh, about 700 A.D., there was just the Septuagint. And that was the Bible of Jesus and Paul in the early church, okay? I happen to read the Septuagint translation each morning. Mainly for that reason. And there's little differences in it. And here's one. Isaiah 9-6. Remember the for unto us a child is born? We read it every Christmas. Mm-hmm. For a child is born to us, and a son is given to us, whose government is upon his shoulders, and his name is called... The Angel of Great counsel. Interesting, huh? The Angel of Great counsel. That's why the early church fathers referred to Christ as the capital A, Angel, Angel of Great Council. Widely understood that this passage refers to the Messiah and Christ. We all understand that, I'm sure. So it follows that Christ is the Angel of the Lord who appeared throughout the Old Testament. The second person of the Trinity is the only member to manifest himself in visible bodily form. Okay? We'll move on a little bit. Let's talk about Christ in the Old Testament with a few of the encounters. We'll start with Abraham. And uh, there were several encounters, but really the, the most, I'll call it the most famous one. There have been the most paintings painted about this, the most literature is Genesis 18. Remember Abraham sitting outside the tent, three strangers come, he says, quick, Sarah, put on the prime rib. Remember? In John 8, as we recall, the end of John 8, Jesus absolutely incensed the religious leaders when he said, before Abraham was, I am. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Christ encountered Abraham a number of times, and here's one of them. Christ is with Abraham. It begins with three men approaching, but Abraham knows there's something special going on. Let me read it a little bit for you. Then the Lord appeared to him uh, by the uh, tabernacle tree at, uh, oh, this is all broken up, sorry. Um, and good old spell check. Don't you love spell check? Memory, not mammoth. Uh, <laughs> Memory. As he was sitting in the tent door at the heat of the day, uh, and so he lifted his eyes and looked, and there were three men standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed down himself to the ground and said, "My lord." The word he used there for "lord" is not what you say to an earl or a duke. It's one of the two key words for God. My Lord, if I have... Elio him, by the way. Um, my Lord, if I have now found favor uh, in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. There's three of them. Abraham addresses only one of the men. Lord has always been understood more than respect here. He is addressing God the Son. Um... And it says later on, as they they move toward the whole business with Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham stood before the Lord. So the scripture is clear. Let me give you another example, Christ and Moses. Jesus said this, really interesting, in John 5 verse 18, he says, if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for Moses wrote of me. This is interesting. The burning bush is probably the most famous theophany in all the Old Testament. And, um, you know, he comes by and who do you say, who do I tell him? And you tell them I am. We uh, prayed together the Nicene Creed last week. This week we're going to do the Apostles' Creed. But remember what we prayed last week? Uh, And when we did, by the way, when we were praying the Nicene Creed together, we were joining the historic church. We were joining with... 17 centuries of prayer tradition, and we were joining with what is prayed every day all over the world. Just to, it's, so it's bigger than what I do in my bedroom or even what we did in my front room here. But remember in the Nicene Creed, we prayed this, God of God, light from light, God from true God, true God from true God. The Nicene Creed is so much about Jesus is God the Son. So Christ reveals the Father in Himself. He sees the only begotten He who sees the only begotten Son also sees the unbegotten Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, He says to Philip. Remember in John 14? I, I toned everything down for so many years and didn't even know it. So that I thought He was saying, well, if you've seen me, you've seen what the Father is like. I'm kind. I do miracles. I... No! It's much more a mystery than that. It's more metaphysical. It says, if you're looking at me, the begotten second person, you are seeing the unbegotten first person, the Father. This thing gets a little deeper, doesn't it? Spell checked on me, but esteeming the reproach of Christ uh, the, that were greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. In other words, as I untangle that, it was the Lord, the Lord who motivated uh, Moses was Christ, is what they're saying. It was Christ who he'd encountered and was motivating him. Not that he'd encountered him yet, he was motivating him. Here's another example. The Redeemer who brought Israel out of Egypt was Jesus. And I'll give you Jude verse five. Jesus having saved a people from the land of of Egypt. By the way, if you get a very good literal translation, it doesn't say, God uh, saved the people. It says, Jesus. So check and see if you've got a really good translation or not there. The rock in the wilderness was Christ. Um, 1 Corinthians four uh, ten four. They all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Right? The Old Testament and the New Testament link on this all the time. Christ appears to many people throughout the Old Testament. I've given you some, you know, Hagar, and Jacob, Gideon. Solomon he appears to. Elijah he appears to. Daniel he appears to. These were all appearances of the pre-incarnate Jesus in the flesh. According to John 41, it was Jesus who Isaiah saw in his vision of the Lord, seated on a high and lofty throne. Isn't that interesting? So that is a bit of a run through. At the end, you can pick up a list of scriptures if this is a Bible study you want to do. And and those will just get you linking to the next one and the next one.
0: This week's episode is brought to you by the Impact Nation's Facebook page. I just read that the average office worker receives 120 emails every day. That is bonkers. Who has time to read all that email? Here at Impact Nations, we definitely send a few emails, but if we send an email every time something cool happened, we would be flooding you with the stuff. So most of our great news hits Facebook. If you want to keep up to date on all that God's doing around the world, our Facebook page is definitely the best place to do it. This week, we've got a team in Bogota, Colombia, so we'll be posting pictures and stories and videos of their adventures. They've even got a troop of acrobats that's traveling with them, so you should definitely check it out. We recently posted some photos of young men and women who were receiving their first business loans in rural africa a couple weeks ago we posted a video about a former child slave in india who's now winning academic competitions after getting the chance to go to school Uh, you should see him sitting there with his beaming face holding that big trophy so take a quick break from that mountain of email head to facebook.com impact nations ministries and get your daily dose of great news and now back to the podcast
1: So, Christ in the Old Testament, at one level, it's when he shows up. He's there. They're encountering him. The second aspect I want to talk about tonight is what's called typology, that the types of Christ that are in the Old Testament. That doesn't mean he has a time space appearance as Christ, uh, but that they, Well, I'll explain what types are, okay? As we look at types, and some of us have a background that have done lots of stuff, your church loves typology, and others are going, whoa, stay away from typology. So we're going to try to walk a middle ground, because there's two kind of errors. One is that you see types everywhere. Um, you have a purely allegorical view of every single verse in the Bible, and that is an error. The second is that in reaction to this, much of the evangelical churches tended to fall off on the other side, elevating the historical critical method to where we refuse to see deeper meaning in scripture passages. We see everything at purely a surface, a rational, natural level. Again, I talked a lot about that in the first few weeks of John, remember? So this, we don't want to fall off on either side. Because when you begin to see, I think, in a proper, healthy way, the types of Christ in the Old Testament, it's another way of never seeing the Old Testament the same again. So what do I mean by a type? A type is a real an exalted, like a special happening in history that was divinely ordained by God to be a prophetic picture of the good things which he purposed to bring to fruition in Christ Jesus." I better say that again. Mm -hmm. A type is a real, exalted happening in history, which was divinely ordained by God to be a prophetic picture of the good things which he purposed to bring about in the Incarnation, in Christ. Okay, we track you? That's what I mean by a type. Types point to a greater truth than themselves. Types move us in the Old Testament from the material to the spiritual and from the earthly to the heavenly. I often Reference John 3 where he says to Nicodemus, if you don't understand earthly things, how are you going to understand the heavenly things I want to teach you? Types begin to move us into that heavenly perspective. Paul said this in Romans 3, and in fact, Romans 3.21 uh, is the pivot verse. This is, wasn't in my notes, but I happen to feel like telling you this. If you're going to study uh, Romans... The real, the setup is Romans chapter one and two in the first part of three. Where Paul's going begins with 321 and following. And here's what he says. God has now shown us that way which the law and the prophets told us about. God makes people right with himself through their faith in Christ Jesus. He's saying all of the law and the prophets, which is just another word for the Old Testament, teach us, at one point he calls them our schoolmaster in one translation, teach us, lead us to, give us types so that we'll understand who Christ is in, uh, who Christ is in the world. So let's look at some different kinds of types. Everybody tracking? Okay. There's people in the Old Testament who are types, who who, again reflect their, 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 their God in his omniscience, they lead us to the ultimate Christ, uh, the Son of God. Okay? The first one is Adam. Paul talks about him a lot. He even calls Jesus the second Adam. Adam is a type of Christ in that as as Adam introduced sin into the world, even so, Christ um, brought righteousness, which was made available. Melchizedek. Do you guys all remember Melchizedek? I think that's about chapter 14 of Genesis. Uh, Melchizedek, we do not it's like he didn't have a beginning and an end. He just shows up. At one level, he was the king of a city-state called Salem. Uh, and he was a priest of God. But at the same time, he was a type of Christ. Jesus, at his ascension, began to reign on David's throne and to simultaneously function as our high priest. So he's the first priest we see in the Old Testament. He's kind of without beginning and without end. He just shows up. Abraham, we know, tithes to him, gives to him. He's a type of Christ as our priest. Okay, And David saw Christ as a priest. The Psalm 110, which some of you know, is the most quoted Old Testament scripture in the New Testament. He sees him as a priest. Zechariah 6 also does. I've got a whole bunch of verses if you want to know. But the point is, Melchizedek is a type of Christ. Some say he is a Christophany. And some say he isn't. So, I don't know. I've got got books on both sides of the camp. But whether he literally was Christ, he was a type that pointed toward Christ. Okay? Um, Moses, in his role of prophet, leader, and mediator for God's people, was a type of the Lord Jesus and who functions in a similar but much more exalted capacity. That's why that famous scripture, Deuteronomy 18, 15, Moses says prophetically, there's somebody coming who's going to be with the office, the ministry like me. That's why in um, Matthew 11, around verse 3 or 4, John the Baptist sends his guys and they say, are you the coming one? Are you the one Moses promised was coming so he he fulfills that mosaic role so that's a couple of examples of people as a type of Christ there's places as a type Egypt represents a state of bondage that uh, holds sinners prior to his conversion Galatians 42 Romans 617 on and on and on. Jerusalem typifies the church and finally heaven, the new Jerusalem. Um, Hebrews 12, Don't you know you've come to Mount Zion? You've come to the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to the church of the firstborn. You've come to myriads upon myriads of angels. He's calling them up to the very type that's laid out in the Old Testament. So when you read about Jerusalem, you're reading about Jerusalem, but at the same time, you begin to become aware of what are you saying about the heavenly city? What are you saying about your people? What are you saying about the new Jerusalem? Okay? Um, Babylon's another one. It's a tricky one. Babylon, it's never that great when Babylon is a type um, because it held God's people captive for 70 years in the Old Testament, and yet in the New Testament, it's often used to picture things that aren't that great—a uh, very backslidden or cold church that's departed from the simplicity of the gospel. We see this in Revelation several times. It also uh, is a type of Rome, which is which is really the whole thing of of uh, the state. Um, and the, the battle of the state, the the, the the dialectic, if you like, the tension between state and the people of God. Okay, let's move on. I hope this isn't too dry. I was pretty excited when I was writing it, but it seems it's kind of a lot of information. Um, there's things that are types from the Old Testament that help me to see Christ. The, the first wonderful thing example is... Um, uh, as I've taught so many times, is Jacob's run away from home so his brother doesn't kill him. And he lays down near Bethel and he has this vision or dream and he sees a ladder going to heaven, angels of God ascending and descending. And in John 1, 51, he says to Nathaniel, as you spend time with me, you are going to see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That what Jacob saw was a type of what Jesus would be and do. That's such a great example, isn't it? Um, The serpent. Remember the the bronze serpent they put up to stop the plague? And uh, they found physical healing. That's in Numbers 21. And it was a type. Jesus said it. If I be lifted up, I will draw men unto me. And he was physically, literally lifted up to draw all men unto him. And just like the, the serpent brought healing, of course, Christ on the cross brought healing at all levels. The tabernacle is really interesting. And, and, and the typology guys, man, they, I've got a book, two books upstairs like this, just on the typology of the tabernacle. I didn't finish either one of them. I'm not that into it, but a little bit I am. The tabernacle refers to the present time. and Hebrews 9, 8 and 9 references this. Just as the tabernacle was designed to be the house of God, um, the tabernacle was composed of particular compartments, one representing God's heavenly dwelling, the other is earthly dwelling, etc. There's so many types in all of the tabernacle. Here's one that really has, uh, I've thought about it a lot this last year. The Ark is a really interesting type. We know the mercy seat in Christ. Do you know the word, the, the, it's pronounced theotokos. It's hard for me to say Greek words, theotokos. Um, does anybody know that word? It's the Greek word for Mary, the Virgin Mary. And it means God bearer. Just as she bore the son of man, she bore God the second, the son of God, the second person. The, the ark bore the presence of God. So let's look at a few events this type. The Exodus, of course, from death to life. We've all heard preaching on that. parting of the Red Sea which reflects baptism right they left the old went into the new by going through the waters we've all heard about that manna the spiritual bread and in case we missed it Jesus said hey guys listen up John 6 I am now the bread of life manna came from heaven right the the tradition says it was the, the food of the angels you probably know that and he says I'm the bread of life Who comes from heaven? Um, The deliverance of Noah's family from the corruption of the world by means of water, prefigured our salvation again through baptism. Um, The Passover. So when you read about the Passover, when you read about, you know, Noah and his family, start asking the Holy Spirit to show you Christ. What is he saying? Because the Holy Spirit testifies to Jesus, right? He's, he's there to reveal Christ to us. It's one of his great things that he does. He will start to reveal Christ. I've got Christ all over my New Testament. And the thing is, I have for 43 years, but I only noticed in the last, whatever, four, five, seven years. Start reading the Passover in a different way. Start reading the Exodus in a different way. When you're reading and you see Gideon in a hole because he's afraid, and the angel of the Lord comes, you go, Wow, Jesus, that was you. Mm. It it just brings life to me Mm. in all of the Old Testament. Mm. I find myself talking to Jesus a lot when I read the Old Testament now. You tracking with what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so I'm on the home stretch, a little bit shorter tonight. When we see Jesus throughout the pages of the Old Testament, it creates a shift in how we understand God's greater story. It shines the light of the Holy Spirit on every page in a way that for me has made the Old Testament seem almost completely new. And more than that, I've begun to see Christ almost on every page. I've been reading The Wisdom of Sirach this month, which is... uh, one of the ten books that Calvin cut out, but the rest of the church still has. And the wisdom of Surak is so filled with Christ. It's about wisdom. It's, it's written like uh, Proverbs. Proverbs 8, you know, is about Christ. It's always been considered to be about Christ. Look at the end of Proverbs 8, 30-31, I think, when he says, you know, I was there when the world was created. It was like the Father and I were right there doing it. Well, the wisdom of Sirach is like that. The Old Testament for me is just filled with Christ. And it has not only brought it alive, it's like it's a whole new new Old Testament for me. And it stayed new. It has stayed fresh for several years now with this. It's quite interesting. Um... As I've begun to see Christ on every page, I find myself seeing Him with new eyes in the world around me, and that's very true. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing Christ all around me in ways that I just was oblivious to before. Finding Christ in the Old Testament is not a theological, nor is it an intellectual exercise. It is a journey into the truth that the Apostle Paul expressed when he said... He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. So, I come to the end of tonight, glad that I got through it, and still somehow frustrated because I felt like I just, I I wish I could find more words for this journey that I'm on. Mm -hmm. But if you will pray, if you will begin to look for Christ, you will find him everywhere. You know, there's a reason that the historical church has always had the Psalms in their services. Uh, Always. Because the Psalms
0: are filled with Christ. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Impact Nations podcast. I hope that the next time you open the Old Testament, you find Jesus waiting there for you. Don't forget to find us on Facebook at Impact Nations Ministries to get all the latest news on how lives are being rescued. And have a great week.